if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. My message today is entitled, The Impact of a Godly Mother. And there's something in here for everybody, but especially want to speak to you uh, moms today. But let's pray as we open the word. And as I was talking to my friend Prakash, and he was talking about what's going on in India. I don't, I don't know if you're watching the news, but it's a very difficult time in, in India right now. And uh, I just want to partner in prayer. I want to pray for uh, not only our time in the word, but can you join me in prayer of what's happening in India? And if you don't know, I mean, COVID is just ravaging across that land. I mean, people are dying. It's, it's unthinkable. It's unimaginable what is happening in that country. And so I think it's fitting as we just, uh, he was just sharing with me a little bit um, about some of the reports he's receiving from friends and family. Thank you for sharing that with me, by the way. But let's partner. I, can't, I, can't, I just can't keep going without praying. Amen. So Lord, we just thank you right now that you're the one that can stop the plague. You're the one that can stop. And Lord, even we don't, we don't understand all these things. There's a lot of opinions about this virus and there's a lot of, of opinions and, and, and we want it to be over, Lord. We really do. We long for this thing to just go away, but Lord, it hasn't. And so we just partner with the country uh, of India and brothers and sisters across that land. Lord, we thank you for the many Christians, the many pastors. And so, Lord, we just pray for our brothers and sisters first in India. We ask you, Lord, that you would strengthen them. We pray that, Lord, you would heal them. And, Lord, we also pray for the whole nation. Lord, we just pray from the top to the bottom, everybody in between. We ask for healing. Lord, we pray that you would stop the virus. Lord, we pray that the death would stop, just as we've seen it happen in Scripture. We ask that that would take place. We ask for comfort, Lord, for many of our brothers and sisters who are Indian, and and they live in this country, and they're seeing what's happening, and they're grieving. And Lord, we just partner with them right now, and we ask for comfort in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you will provide that as our Heavenly Father. And Lord, now we come to you as we open your word and we're talking about the impact of a godly mother. I pray, Lord, that every mom in here and every mom watching online today, would you strengthen our moms? Would you give them everything that they need to do what you've called them to do? Thank you for them. Oh God, we pray for encouragement over their lives today. We pray, Lord, that you would heal and that you would mend and that you would lift and Lord, that you would guide in the days ahead. And we thank you, Lord, for as a church family for what you're doing and the revival that is yet upon us. And we enter into that. We ask you that you would use the rest of this service and this teaching for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. On May 12, 1907, there was a woman named Anna Jarvis who held a memorial service at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Grafton, West Virginia, which I have no idea where that is, other than the general location of West Virginia. But she held a memorial service for her mom. And the service had two purposes. You may not know the history of Mother's Day, but this service had two purposes. The first one was she certainly wanted to honor her mom, but she also had a heart to see mothers everywhere honored as well, and that was certainly a part of that service. In 1907, what started as a a service became a movement across our nation. Just a few years later, James Heflin, who was a U.S. representative of Alabama, he introduced a House resolution requesting that all members of the U.S. Cabinet, Senate, and House would wear white flowers. They were carnations, except if they couldn't, uh, if they couldn't find those, they were white flowers to honor mothers, and I quote, as the greatest source of our country's strength and inspiration. 
all branches of government complied. This was in 1913. Not only did this happen in our government in those days, but restaurants and churches and businesses caught on, and this is how Mother's Day began in our country. Everyone began to celebrate Mother's Day. It started in our government, believe it or not, and that was a good thing in those, in those days. The year after, 1914, President Woodrow Wilson issued a presidential proclamation. He wrote this basically into law that Mother's Day would be celebrated and observed every second Sunday of May. And that was a long time ago, and it leads us to where we are today. And I, I want to tell you, if you go down the rabbit hole of research to discover the origins of Mother's Day, you will find many different interpretations of how it started. You will find people saying that it started in the feminist movement uh, years before and perpetuated. You will even find people that will make a case for Greek mythology being the start of Mother's Day. But Christians know that this is not the origin of honoring mothers. The Bible is the origin. Long ago in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, when the Ten Commandments were given, one of the commandments in verse 12 was this, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God will give to you. Honoring mothers and fathers was so important to the Lord that he attached a promise to it and is the only commandment with a promise that you and I would see long life. Nobody disputes that mothers are worthy of honor. We all would say yes and amen. And Anna Jarvis, in 1907, she did not start something. She only furthered what would be a biblical mandate. And that's why it's fitting that it started in a church service. And that's why we should. And it's right and righteous to honor mothers today and to do that every day. Mothers, you don't deserve one day. You deserve every day. Amen. It should be a perpetual 365. We literally wouldn't exist without you. Amen. <laughs> All right. I think it's also important to note this woman who was a part of starting this in our country was not a mother herself. She was not a wife. She was not a mother. The reason that she had a heart to do this was because her mom so impacted her life that she thought it was important to bring attention to this in our, in our country. And she did what she could to perpetuate that. And I think the scriptures actually show us this very point. In fact, today as we look at 2 Timothy, what we're going to notice is the Apostle Paul, he's pointing out to Timothy the impact of his mother and grandmother and what that looked like for him in, in his life. But before we read the passage in verse 1 through 7, it's important that we recognize that this letter not only was written by the Apostle Paul, but scholars believe it was his last letter that was written. He's at the end of his life, and he's a prisoner in Rome facing certain death. Most scholars would uh, say that it was his last letter because we, we simply don't know all of the chronology of, of, of the, some of his final letters, especially the prison epistles. But what we do know is in chapter 4 of this letter, he says, I'm at the end. I've run my race. I'm being poured out as a drink offering. Paul knew he was going to die, which means that this letter is also much important because as we read it, as we study it, we're thinking about a man who doesn't have much time left, and he wants to say things that he finds extremely important. Paul has a special relationship with Timothy. He calls him my true son in the faith. In the letter to the Philippian church, he says, I have no one like Timothy 
So clearly he has played a father role in his life. Paul has seen so much and he wants to encourage his young son in the faith. And here's what it says, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, or my true son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. As I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and of love and discipline. And some translations say power, love, and a sound mind. I like that translation, a sound mind. God has given us a spirit of power, love, and sound mind, not a spirit of fear. Why would Paul say that in verse 7? We quote this verse all the time. We do not have a spirit of fear. Paul said it to Timothy because Timothy was afraid, and Paul knew that. Paul was about to die. His mentor, his father in the faith, was going to die for sure. And Timothy was looking at what was happening to his mentor, and he's thinking, the same is probably going to happen to me. So if this is my lot in life, he, he had fear. He's the pastor in Ephesus. He's in one of the larger, most pagan-filled cities you, you and I can imagine. When you study Ephesus, you understand. I mean, it is, it is, in my opinion, five, maybe ten times worse than what we're experiencing today. And so Timothy is quite afraid, I think it's fair to say, and Paul's reminding him of a lot of things. And I think it's fitting as we talk about the impact of a godly mother. I, I only have three points for you today, and I normally do, but they, they should be short unless I just uh, take up some kind of wind of the Spirit, and you mothers inspire me, and you, you keep saying amen, and I keep going. You know, I, I, that'll be on you, though. Three things I want to say to you today as we honor mothers. The first is as we think about your impact, we think first about the example of a godly mother, the example. In verse 5, Paul says, I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, Timothy, which first dwelt or it came from your grandmother Lois and also your mother Eunice. And then he says, and I am sure it is in you as well. Paul's comment here about Timothy's mother and grandmother carrying a sincere faith is he's recognizing that the source is not from Timothy, nor is he saying the source is from me. Paul could have said that. He does acknowledge that Paul, Paul acknowledges that he played a significant part in Timothy's discipleship and development, but I think it's important that he, he points to the fact that Timothy had a thorough foundation before Paul ever came into the equation. And I think sometimes there are, there are many unsung heroes in our lives that paid a price to get us to where we are. There are people that invested. There are people that prayed. There are people that sowed into our lives so that we would have a foundation. And then along comes another person that maybe fills in or furnishes our knowledge or gives us the opportunity. And often those people are the ones that get all the praise. They get all the honor. But, but Paul's pointing out to Timothy, there are people and I want to remind you of who they are, Lois and Eunice, your mom and grandmom. If they didn't do what they did, if they didn't say what they said, and if they didn't live an example like they did, you would not be the man that you are. 
And I love how he points out their example is such a strong foundation for his life. What you do not hear about from Paul, nor will you from the scriptures towards Timothy, is about his father. And the reason you don't hear about his father is because his father is an unbeliever. In Acts chapter 16, it says that. It says this in verse 1, Paul came to Derbe and Lystra and a disciple there named, there was a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. His mom was a Jew and she was a believer, but his father was a Greek and he doesn't acknowledge that he was a believer. So his mom is a Jew and a believer, his father is a Greek and an unbeliever. And this is why Paul probably was able to fill not only the spiritual role of a father, but also naturally. Paul meant a lot to Timothy. Paul filled in that role, and I think it's fitting. So if you think through this, Paul, in essence, is like Timothy's father, in a way. And as a father, he points to his mother. And that's a principle for us men in the room, for us fathers in the room is to tell our children the impact of their mom, the love of their mom, to point out who their moms are and what the moms do. That's a role that comes to us fathers. And no, that doesn't mean that we overexalt, but it means we rightly appropriate the honor that is due. The Bible says in Exodus 20 verse 12, honor your father and your mother. There is an essential equality to the honor that both men and women deserve. And this is something that I believe is stewarded in the home first. I think secondarily in the church. We cannot look to the world to do this for us. We must look in our homes and we must have this in our churches. Paul acknowledges his mom and grandmother and their faith, which was sincere. And we cannot under, underestimate the example or the influence of a godly mother in our life. There are many quotes that you can read about and a few of them I wanna bring up to you. George Washington, one of our presidents, obviously. My mother, he says, was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All I am, I owe to my mother. Can you imagine saying that? This is not a man who wrote things frivolously. When he wrote, people, I mean, people study his words today. He said, all that I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, said, only God himself fully appreciates the influence of a Christian mother in the molding of character in her children. Mothers are sacrificial servants who love and listen and nurture and comfort and encourage and instruct and, yes, provoke amen. <laughs> it's not only what you do, mothers, it's how you do what you do that impacts us so deeply. It's not just what you are. It's not just, it's not just what you do. It's how you do it. Your example is an example to us all. And I think it's probably a true statement that fathers are praised more for their impactful contribution, but they're also criticized more harshly for their neglect and their negative treatment. And I think it's, it's important for us to recognize today as we think about honoring fathers and, and mothers, but particularly the mothers today, is that we, we can raise the watermark of how we do just that. It's something that us men can do a better job at, and I, I can be the first to recognize that. I think that um, sometimes we don't recognize our moms as much because we always know that they're going to be there. They're like the, they're like the backbone. I've, I've uh, joked with you before, if you've, if you've listened to me uh, for any length of time, 
you know that I've said this, it's not that funny, but I'll say it again just because I think it's funny. But I married my wife and, and uh, 17 years ago, we just celebrated uh, a few weeks ago, we celebrated 17 years of marriage. And when I married her, she had two boys. She was a single teenage mom. Um, and she was a woman who had the mistreatment of men from, from the time that she was born. She, she never knew the love and the care and the protection of a man. And I mean that sincerely. I can say that uh, without exaggeration. My wife did not have that. And, and I'll tell you, I, I don't know that I would consider myself some type of savior to that, okay? What I would tell you is that God has done such a great thing between her and I. And I would also tell you, I can see the strength of a mom. And I can see what God can do in a woman's life and how sometimes as I came alongside her to raise her 9 and 11-year-old boy who are now 28 and 26, and yes, we're in our early 40s and we have a 28 and a 26-year-old, yeah. And so as I came alongside her to, to raise them, I often felt like a catcher in t-ball, you know, you just, you're not needed, you know. It's, it's an honorary role we give somebody to bring them out of the dugout. You understand? And so it's like you don't know what to do. You just, you just send them, you, hey, you be the catcher, all right? Now, when they grow up, they know what you did. So that wound is coming back to you, all right? But I think it's powerful how the Bible uses the example of a mother as a parallel for how God is toward us in our life. Many, many, many passages. I'll just give you a few one here in Deuteronomy 32.11 says that God cares for his people like an eagle hovering over her young. Another passage here, Isaiah 49.15, God will never forget his children like a mother will not forget their nursing child. Isaiah 66.13, God comforts his people like a nursing mother. And Hosea 13, 8, God experiences the anger of a mother bear who's been robbed of her cubs. Don't get in a mother's way. There's no good luck statement that will suffice. You know, lights out. Today we honor you mothers for the example that you are to us, which is transformative in more ways than we can say. The second point I want to tell you is the teaching of a, of a mother carries great impact in, in our lives. Paul doesn't say this in chapter one, he does say it in chapter three. Verse 14, he says to Timothy, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, the Bible, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through which is in Christ Jesus. He says, know whom you have learned them from. Who taught you the Hebrew Bible? Who's he referring to? Paul was not with Timothy when he was a kid. Paul is saying that your mom and your grandmother taught you the scriptures. And I think this is a powerful point to you mothers is that your teaching matters. Your example matters. That God uses you to shape your kids. No matter how old your kids are, they're still your kids. You might say to me today, Ben, my kids are old and grown and they don't listen to me anymore. Let me tell you something. God has put a connection between you and your kids. You will always be their mom and they can have whatever attitude they want. They can say, talk to the hand or whatever they want to do. They can say, I don't want to have this conversation with you right now, but I'll tell you something. Even if your words are few, your words will go in. 
I've learned this as well as a father. Our words will still go and you say, Ben, they don't listen to me. Sometimes people are listening. It's just that they don't want to yield to what you're saying. So if you feel a sense of shame and you feel like, Ben, I can't go back in time. You can't go back in time, but you can go forward. You may not be able to go back to something. Maybe it didn't turn out the way that you wanted it, but mothers, let me tell you something. You can still teach your kids you can still be an example to the lives of your children. And there, as long as you're breathing, you still are their mother. You still have influence. You still matter. Your teaching is still important in their lives. G. Campbell Morgan, there's a story of this profound British preacher who, with his wife, had four sons, and all of them became pastors and influential. They influenced millions of people with their preaching and their teaching and their writing. One day... His son Howard finished preaching, and a reporter came, to, came right up to Howard and said, since you have five pastors in your family, who is the greatest preacher? And the reporter was expecting the son to honor his father. Of course, it's got to be G. Campbell Morgan. And Howard said, my mom. My mom is the greatest preacher. And I think he meant it. I think he meant it with, with all of his heart. And moms, you don't have to be profound preachers and teachers. Some of you are. But you don't have to be for you to teach your kids what they need to know. There are many natural things that you teach your kids, but spiritually you are called to teach them the Bible, the way of salvation, how to have a relationship with Jesus, the blessings of obeying God. And this is a heritage. You can teach your kids not only how to avoid temptation, but how to overcome temptation by being honest with them about how God has led you and even how you've slipped up at times and how God led you back to the narrow way. Proverbs chapter one and verse eight, the writer says, my child, listen when your father corrects you and don't neglect your mother's instruction. I just love that. Last night I told everybody, mothers should just get a tattoo. I'm not advocating tattoos, but just get a tattoo. And every time your child says something, you just go, bam, you know, don't neglect your mother's teaching. It's not my word, it's the Bible, right? God has given you help along your path. I want you to know something. You don't have to get it tattooed. I hear today you can get those fake ones anyways, you know, just sort of like a weekend thing, okay? But you can just say, don't neglect, or I don't know, you can come up with something cool. If you want, I'll do it for you. I'll send you an email with a really cool way to remind your children to not neglect your teaching. He says, what you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. Kids may not realize this, no matter how old they are. They may not realize that the teaching of their mom and of their father, it says, he says, it's like honor around your neck. It's something that you carry with you for the rest of your life. See, we just have such a profound place to raise our kids. It's such a profound opportunity. Such a, there's nothing in life that is, that is like this. That's why whenever you talk to people at the end of their life, often they reflect on the mother and the father that they weren't. There's such a sense of shame over this. And I would tell you, if you feel that today, that's all of us. There's not a man in this room that at some point doesn't feel like I could have or I should have or I would have done something different. There's not a woman in this room that has kids that doesn't feel that way at some point. We all feel that way as parents. And that's why God wants to lift us today to recognize that it's not over yet and we can continue. 
Several years ago, my uh, wife, as we were raising our older kids, we had uh, the first set and the second set. You know, it's sort of, it's not a do-over, but it's a second chance. Amen? <laughs> He's the God of second chances. And I pray that we're doing a better job now. I don't know. You can ask them, interview them. I don't care. They say what they say. But as we were raising our older boys and they were in high school, that's where we really wrestled with them quite a bit. We wrestled with them a lot. And they said all kinds of things to me that I forgive them for. But um, that's real. And I remember we were really grappling with one of them and asking the Lord. We were fasting and praying. It was very serious. It was very emotional, uh, very difficult time. Bridget and I really fused together, though, in the place of prayer. I can tell you that God does something special when you fuse together with your spouse in the, pr- in the place of prayer and you don't accept anything less than what is right for them. As you don't accept it. And uh, we give nothing over to the enemy or the flesh. And if we can't, we obviously, I mean, controlling our kids would be easier, but God does not allow that. (laughs) Some of you parents, you didn't want to say amen, but you were shaking your heads right there. (laughs) Control would be a better option. (laughs) But it's not really a good option. Bridget was praying and um, she was, I believe she was on a car ride uh, coming home. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and gave her a word of wisdom. I'm so thankful for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave her a word of wisdom. And she came home and she shared it with me that was in her heart. And she said to me, I feel like the Lord wants, um, wants me to make sure all of our kids hear my full testimony. And I know that we assume our kids know all of that because they're around us all the time. But Bridget made a decision, believe believe the Lord gave this idea to her, and she took all of our kids out one by one, and it became a two, maybe three-hour dinner where she just shared her story and some of the not-so-pretty parts of her past, and she shared about what Jesus meant to her. She shared about why we value church. It's not some religious routine for us. That's not... I didn't even become a pastor because I wanted to, or, or uh, in fact, I fought all of that, probably. It was, some, it was not some conveyor belt or some desire of our heart, or we're just really good religious people. In fact, we just feel like quite the opposite. But God, by his grace, has done something wonderful, and we thank him for that. But she talked to our kids about why she loves Jesus and how much he means to her and how he's redeemed her heart, and how he's changed her soul and set her in a whole new place and provided a new path. And no, we're not perfect people, but gosh, we love the grace of God. And she shared that with our kids. And I remember they came home, and I can't tell you, it changed them right there. There was something special that happened when when she laid out her story about why she loves Jesus so much and who he is to her and what the gospel is all about and how that has transformed her life. It was very powerful. It opened the eyes of our, of our kids. And we believe in be- for better days than what Bridget and I had to go through. Her and I have a past. We have a record, you know, just a whole line, a list of things. And we believe in the keeping power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that our kids don't have to go through what we went through. We believe that they can be better than us because they don't have to spend their energy and their time fighting the things that we had to fight to overcome. And we did so by the grace of God, but we still every day need the grace of God. But we believe that our kids can be better than us in the Lord. I think it's important that mothers, you recognize to share your story with your kids, share your testimony, share some of the times where you fell down and how God brought you back up. Take them out. 
Show them that. Share with them those things. Your teaching matters. And finally, your prayers. The prayers of a mother. I mean, I don't even know if I have to tell you this, but how many times people have talked to me about their mom and their grandmother praying them out of the ditch that they didn't just fall into. They, they climbed down into, you know, Mothers and grandmothers have prayed. Yes, fathers have, and we'll honor godly men in a couple weeks in June, but we got to wait till June, guys. Amen. It's in June for a reason. Mothers need a whole month. But how many mothers and grandmothers were praying? My mother, my grandmothers were praying for me. I, I, I was, I thought it was important for me to study a little bit in the Bible about the godly women and the godly mothers that aren't often talked about. We hear the champions and the heroes, but we don't always hear about the backbone that got those to where they were. And I was struck by a story here in Exodus chapter 2, and I just want to briefly share with you a thought that I had. And her name, uh, Moses' mom's name was Jochebed, Jochebed. She's a woman you don't hear about. In fact, you don't even hear her name until partway into the book of Exodus. You can't read her name in Exodus 2. That's why it doesn't always come up. But if you read all the way through Exodus, her name is mentioned as Moses' mama. And she obviously was going through a difficult time. If you read Exodus chapter 1, there was a new pharaoh that rose up. The Israelites were enslaved in Egypt at that time, and they were under bondage. And, uh, and there was not an amicable relationship, but there was sort of an understanding. And the Israelites were growing in number exponentially. And when the new Pharaoh came into power, he said, look at how many Israelites they are. They're going to they're overtake us. So he told all the midwives that when the, the Hebrew women have children, if it's a boy, kill the child. This is right there in Exodus chapter 1. And they would not obey. But somehow they were going to get found out. And it says in in Exodus chapter 2 that uh, Moses' mom had uh, Moses and the midwife was not obeying Pharaoh. And it's a very funny statement when you read it. It says that Moses' mom saw Moses and knew he was a special child. I thought to myself, what mom isn't going to think that though? (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) are there any moms here today that thought this was not a special child? This was an average child? No, it means there was an anointing on him that she could recognize. I hope that's what it means. But anyhow, there was an anointing on him she could recognize. And for a couple months, this mother tried to hide her son. And she realized at some point with the cries and all that you go through, you can't do that for very long. And so she took what might seem like a wicker basket to us and she waterproofed it. And she placed Moses in that basket And she sent Moses down the Nile. Now, you know the rest of the story. Moses, the deliverer of the Hebrew people, was raised in the house of Pharaoh who issued the edict to kill even his own life. It's a very powerful story. You can go home and read the story of Exodus. But when I was reading the story about this mom, there was a moment for me where I felt what she must have felt, just like this much, just a little bit. There was a point, and he's a three-month-old, and she had to put a three-month-old into a basket And I just saw in my mind this picture of this mother putting her child into the basket, trusting God as she sent him out into the world, praying that the Lord would do what she cannot do. There's no way in the world that this woman was not praying every day to, to Yahweh, asking for mercy, asking for something to change, but she had to get to the point where she had to make a sacrificial decision. And can you imagine the amount of trust that it would take for her to send Moses down the Nile? 
I mean, it, just the moment of that, just that extension right there, it's a moment of trust, and I, I doubt she walked away. I think she was just praying. She just sat there on the shore just praying, and I thought to myself, what a powerful picture in a different way of how moms really are. It's they send their kids out into the world and they just pray. Mothers, I wanna tell you today that your prayers are powerful on behalf of your children. God hears your prayers and God will honor your prayers. No matter how old your kids are, your kids might be young and your kids might be old or somewhere in between. The Bible says, train a child up in the way they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart from it. We all love that passage because there's some hope in that. What it doesn't say is from the time that you train your kids up and the time they respond when they're old, God makes intercessors out of the parents. Amen. Train a child up in the way they should go so that when they get old, they will not depart. But in this time, you and I are intercessors. Mothers, you are prayer warriors on behalf of your kids. God has given you the calling of an intercessor as a mom, and your prayers are powerful towards your children. God hears you. Abraham Lincoln said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me. Listen, they have clung to me all of my life. Ronald Reagan said, from my mother, I have learned the value of prayer and how to have dreams and believe they could come true. He acknowledges and honors his mother. And I, I want to say this to you today as I close, and uh, yes, I'm closing early today, and you don't believe that, but it's true. <laughs> you have to believe it because you're going to see it. I want to say to you, uh, first of all, to Linda Dixon, if my mom's watching, love you, mom. To Debbie, my mother-in-law, love you. Thank you for serving so well. And to my wife, who will be here next service, which I will look her in the face and say thank you to her for serving her children, her kids so well, and doing so alongside me, always leading the way, always doing what God has called her to do, so thankful. And to the mothers of Northwest Church, I just, I just want you to know, we may not say it all the time, but you certainly deserve it. We love you. We thank God for you. We pray for you. And uh, we're behind you. And if you feel a sense of uh, maybe behind the time of your development or your ministry, or maybe it hasn't worked out right for you, or maybe you're grieving over something today. God's with you. God is with you today. And if you have an opportunity, you may say, Ben, I don't have an opportunity to make that right with my mom or make that right with my kids. Maybe you don't have that. Well, God's comfort, he is always enough for us. That's not just some cheap thing to say. He, he is, he is enough for you. But if you do have an opportunity, no matter what your relationship is like with your kids, I encourage everybody unashamedly, um, pray and ask God how it is that you can come alongside your kids in the season that they're in. Don't let go, right? Amen, don't let go. The Lord showed me a picture as I was praying over the moms of Northwest Church that you're like gardeners. Um, you plant seeds, your kids, you water, but ultimately for that growth to come, you have to wait patiently. And you're more patient probably than men, at least I can speak for myself. But the Lord, I believe he put it in my heart today to say to you, keep watering and keep waiting patiently. Keep believing that God's gonna do a greater thing um, than you currently see right now. The Lord is involved and that is amazing. We love you and we're thankful for you. Can I have everybody stand today? 
And um, if you're a mom, we are asking you to uh, assume the position, all right? Now, um, we're asking that God would pour out blessing on you today. So if you would just receive from God today, let us pray for you. If, if, if you're not a mom um, or if you're a man in the room, would you just uh, look around and extend your hands towards one of our moms? Let's pray together for God's blessing on you. Father, we thank you today for all of the mothers of Northwest Church. We thank you, Lord, that they're here. And we ask you, Lord, right now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon them. We ask that you would equip them, strengthen them, encourage them. We thank you for the blessing that is resident in them. And Lord, we pray that you would teach them how to release that to their kids. And also for the women that are in the room that are spiritual moms. And maybe they don't have natural kids or maybe some do, but they have more kids than just those that they've had biologically. We thank you, Lord. We pray that you would teach them how to impart what you've put in their lives. That in this season, you would honor them in such a way where they would feel encouraged and full. They would feel strengthened. Lord, they would feel like they can rise up in the virtue that you've placed in their lives. I pray, God, for a second wind over them right now. Where they're discouraged, Lord, we thank you for fresh encouragement in Jesus' name. Lord, where they're encouraged, we pray that you would perpetuate that in this season right now. We ask that you would add to them. We pray that you would fill them with the Spirit in a way where the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be released and they would use them in their home. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of prophecy over their kids, prophetic insight and discernment for the way that their home should go, for the way that their children should go. Let the Bible strengthen them today. And we pray more than anything that you would show them your affection as their heavenly father, that you would show them your smile on their lives and the calling that they have in you. We thank you that you love them more than we ever could. We, we pray you bless them now in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Northwest Church, go to our website, nwcfoursquare.org, or download our app in any of the app stores by searching Northwest Foursquare Church. Church.